0: Hi, and welcome to Elephant Stories. I'm your host, Akram Westbrook. So, season two is done, which means this is the epilogue. This is where I usually look back at the interviews and pull out some themes, maybe give some highlights, but nope, we're going to talk about the health system. We're going to talk about how if you're sick and poor in this country, then you're screwed. We are a capitalistic country with a social safety net full of holes, and without money, you ain't patching those holes. If you don't have health insurance, paid leave, help from family and friends, then a run-of-the-mill sick can get out of hand really quick. You have bronchitis, but you can't afford to go to the doctor. Or maybe you can go to the doctor, but you can't buy the antibiotics. And you can't take time off from work to rest. And hey, maybe you can't even properly hydrate yourself because your tap water is polluted. Congratulations, now you have pneumonia. And hopefully you get to keep your job getting paid if you don't have paid leave forget about it and I hope you don't have to go to the hospital because that is likely to bankrupt and God help anyone who is actually dependent on you for their care and support or anything else while you're going through all this we touch on elements of health care and a couple of elephant stories conversations but we really go deep on the episodes featuring Daniel Dawes and David Johns and I'll link to those in the show notes right now I'm going to talk about my illness And how much external support it takes for me to function. And how millions, millions of poor folks, folks with lower incomes, they have similar illnesses to mine, but with limited resources, they're forced into a life of compromise and struggle. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because during the production of Elephant Stories, I had more severe symptoms than I've had in a long time, making this season really hard to do, which is why you had all these weird breaks, (laughs) So for all intents and purposes, I have a chronic illness. Autoimmune disorders are sometimes called invisible, an invisible disease or an invisible disability. And that is because a lot of people have symptoms that you can't see. And when you can't see them, you just assume that they're fine. And that was me for a long time. So what does it mean for me then? Well, for one thing, I'm in constant pain. So you may be thinking, well, wait, wait, but when I saw you doing... Yeah, I was in pain then too. Wait, wait, wait. When you were at Yep. I was in pain. I'm always in pain. It's just a matter of whether or not I can tolerate it or not. And then I'm tired. Oh, I'm so tired. I haven't been this tired since my child was in newborn. And again, sometimes I can pull myself out of it, and sometimes I have bursts of energy, but other times super tired. What else? I get tremors. That's a bummer can't regulate my body temperature all the time. That sucks. I want to puke a lot, like a lot. There's a whole host of autoimmune diseases out there and most people have more than one and they just range in severity. They're called rare, but mathematically rare adds up to a buttload of people in the world of billions. And I know a lot of people with autoimmune diseases and you probably do too. Like I said, for some of us, our symptoms are life disrupting, but you just can't always see it. As long as your life and your disease cooperate, you can kind of hide it for a while. I mean, for me, for example, I was the healthiest I've been in a long time during the pandemic, you know, except for the existential dread. I didn't have to drive, wear clothes with buttons or any of the other things that caused my symptoms to flare up. Plus with the lockdown, I didn't have to cancel plans at the last minute. I could hide behind a Zoom screen. No one had to know. And even before that, People know that I get migraines or that I have a bad back from playing sports, so I could just say, oh yeah, my back's bothering me or I have a headache, and people would just assume that was the only thing wrong with me. But now that we're coming back to a normal life, I'm starting to get sick again. But I was still invisible for a while, which was nice. And so I still just talked about, oh yeah, my back is a little achy, but now the jig is up. I have a cane. Crap. My invisible disability is now a visible disability. Well then, if I have to have this and people have to see what's wrong with me, then I'm going to use it as a way to talk about inequity because, you know, I can turn anything into a conversation about inequity because, you know, I see the whole thing. All right, so how does having an invisible disability add to inequity? Well, first people judge you for things without understanding the real deal. You know, they see absenteeism, for example, as a marker of irresponsibility when maybe that person is genuinely sick a lot or slow, being slow equals being lazy instead of suffering from some sort of disability. In the world of chronic illness, there's this concept called spoons. And spoons are a metaphor for energy, more like units of energy. And every day you only have a finite number of spoons. So let's say you have 20 spoons and that's all you have for the day. Let's go through your day. Well, you wake up, you get out of bed, You take a shower, you get dressed. Well, that's three spoons right there because each activity takes a minimum of a spoon. And then let's say you commute. So for me, my commute is either an hour drive or a multi-step public transit route. Well, that's going to be two spoons. And then coming home, I know it's going to be harder. So I better reserve three spoons for that. And then there's actually work. Well, work is going to be like five spoons. So already we're at 13 spoons. And don't let it be a work day where there's like an all-day meeting or something like that, because then we're going from five spoons up to like seven, eight spoons. So I've used 13 to 17 spoons out of my 20. I haven't parented. I haven't spent time with my husband. I haven't eaten. I haven't taken any self-care. I haven't done any hobbies. But I only have a few spoons left. I have to be very careful how those spoons are spent. So people with invisible illnesses are rationing out their energy all the time, but nobody knows it. And everyone who gets the short end thinks it's some kind of personal slight. So that's the context. And there are a lot of places that I can go with this. But where I'm going to nest on is how just a few basic resources can make a huge difference in the quality of a person's life. So you have people who maybe are living on SSI, which is also called disability insurance. Or maybe they jump from low-wage job to low-wage job. And those people, maybe they also stick close to home. They don't travel. They don't take advantage of the local parks and free community events in their area. Their homes are untidy. And they just have a bunch of other stigmas that people judge them for. But maybe they're just guilty of the absolute worst sin in America. Not enough money. But to bring, you just said you were sick, but you work and you have a clean house and you go places. Yes, I do. And so do many others. And you know how we do it? Money or money's cousin, privilege. First, I have a senior position in a white collar profession. That means I have a degree of flexibility. I have health insurance. I get random perks like gym memberships. And I have the wherewithal to advocate for my rights under the ADA accommodations. So I can say, look, I need to stay home sometimes. And sometimes I'm going to be a little bit slower than other people. And that's okay. I still get to keep my job. I also have a husband who has a flexible job. And they understand that his wife is chronically ill and can blow up his plans at a moment's notice. And I have a husband who understands that sometimes I need to stay in my PJs for a couple of days and that he's on his own. Our household income covers house cleaning. Lawn care, out-of-pocket health costs, oh, I could do so much with those out-of-pocket expenses, clothes, travel, replace the missing gas cap on my car, although that's more about fatigue. Even just being able to take time for the ridiculous number of appointments and tests I had to go through before getting a diagnosis. And let's not even talk about the intellectual acumen, the bureaucratic gymnastics, and just not today's Satan energy it can take to get good care in a system that doesn't respect women, thinks that anything that can't be seen on an MRI must be in your head, and has bonkers ideas like black folks don't feel pain. Sometimes I fantasize about kicking those folks in the groin and when they complain about the pain saying, I don't believe you, I don't think it hurts as much as you say it hurts. But seriously, shout out to all the good doctors, good therapists, good pharmacists, and all the other healthcare professionals that are really on their game. Even being able to do elephant stories and finish season two. That only happened because I was able to bring on an audio engineer. Shout out to Laron, thank you very much. So without all this stuff, I might not be able to work, enjoy my family and friends, sort of manage my diet, mostly exercise and do my physical therapy. And whew, fighting back the depression and anxiety that likes to hang around with chronic illnesses? and with all my resources I'm still exhausted but here's the thing sometimes I look at like Venus Williams or Selena Gomez Morgan Freeman Lady Gaga, Missy Elliott and I'm like they have autoimmune diseases and they're out there killing it what's wrong with me? then I remember I don't have millions of dollars and a staff of people propping me up but still I'm glad to have the resources that I do But I don't want someone without those same opportunities to think that me functioning is a matter of will or character or anything else other than luck and privilege. Look, I am thankful for every gift God has given me. I am thankful for generations of Westbrooks and Saunders and Seaborns on whose shoulders I stand. But I don't wanna leave room for anyone to use my success as justification for condemning someone else whose uphill battle may be steeper than mine. Nor would I want my public mask of okayness to lead folks to minimize how hard this all is and not give other people the benefit of the doubt. People are taking L's everywhere. And I may not be able to solve all the problems, but I can at least try not to add on. So that is what I wanted to say at the end of this season. Season two was a very hard one. I had a lot of health challenges. I missed out on a lot of fun times, a lot of business opportunities. But I do want to thank my husband, Mark, and my son, Wes, and all my family and all my really, really good friends who help support me and do help prop me up. I want to say to other people who are struggling with similar invisible disabilities, that you're not alone, there are resources available to you, and that you have a right to take care of yourself. Thank you for listening to season two, and I hope to see you again season three. Talk soon.